Okay, we've uh, we've reached twelve noon, and uh, I, Zalme, uh, are you in the in the room and such? But I'm hoping that Zalme Niazi is here. He's one of our panelists. Turn your camera on if you are. But we will go ahead and get started. Okay. I, I love to see how many people are coming in. This is, this is wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Okay, great. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Iowa City Foreign Relations Program with guest speakers Elizabeth Bernal, Ines Pasuvich Dasarovich, Rex Mwamba, and Zalme Niazi. Thanks to each of them and to everyone who has joined us online today. I am Peter Garelock, Program Director for our new program series on refugees and immigrants in Iowa. Uh, I am a member of ICFRC's board and I'll be your host for today's program. We are grateful to Humanities Iowa and the National Endowment for the Humanities for their funding support for this project. We would also like to acknowledge and thank our other annual donors, sponsors, and partners for their support the Iowa Arts Council through the Iowa Department of Cultural Affairs, the University of Iowa's International Programs, Honors Program, Public Policy Center, and Center for Human Rights, the Stanley UI Foundation Support Organization, Midwest One Bank, City Channel 4 for its support in live streaming our in-person programs and for providing access to all of ICFRC's programs along with the UI Library Archives. We want to thank all of our members and friends who have made gifts to support this program series. In particular, we would like to acknowledge Jean Lloyd-Jones, David Wu, Karen and Wallace Chapel, Tice Winkleblack, Ken and Alice Atkinson, Joyce Carmen Baldus, and Jean Cotteret. ICFRC has adopted the Native American Land Acknowledgement prepared for the City of Iowa City's Ad Hoc Truth and Reconciliation Commission and Human Rights Commission. We recognize that our home community of Iowa City, quote, now occupies the homelands of Native American nations to whom we owe our commitment and dedication, end quote. The full text of our acknowledgement is on our website at icfrc.org. As we get started, uh, I would like to cover some Zoom etiquette tips. Uh, you've heard these many times in many places, I'm sure. So uh, this is the time to make sure uh, where your video and audio mute and unmute buttons are. Please keep your audio and video turned off for the duration of the presenta presentation so you don't interrupt the speaker. The speaker is during their remarks. Following our speaker's presentations at about, uh, at about 1.15, uh, we'll have about a 15-minute Q&A. Uh, you'll be able to submit your questions via the chat function. Uh, and at that time, we do invite you to turn on your video. Uh, but uh, please keep your audio muted to avoid any noise. It is now my pleasure to introduce our speakers. Uh, who will talk about life in Iowa as a refugee immigrant. First, Elizabeth Bernal. 
She lives in Iowa City, where she is involved with multiple community organizations that promote inclusion and well being for immigrant communities. She is co founder of Open Heartland, a nonprofit serving families in five mobile home communities in Johnson County, whose residents are mainly Hispanic immigrants. Elizabeth is also a founding member of the board of directors of the Eastern Iowa Community Bond Project, a local community organization that pays immigration bond for incarcerated Iowa immigrants who cannot afford their immigration bond. Elizabeth also serves on the board of the Center for Worker Justice of Eastern Iowa. And last October, she was awarded the Rick Graff Award from the Iowa City Human Rights Commission. Ines Pachuvich Jasarovich is a refugee specialist for the Bureau of Refugee Services in Des Moines, where she has worked for 26 years. Before that, she worked for Interchurch Refugee and Immigrant Service, Immigration Services in Chicago. She provides various services targeted to prepare clients for employment and education goals. She was born and raised in Sibenik, Croatia, and graduated from the University of Sarajevo in Bosnia and, I always get this wrong, Herzegovina in 1988 with a degree in teaching. There she met some student James, a young Bosnian mathematician and computer, computer programmer. Coming from two different backgrounds, Enos as Croatian Catholic and some student as Bosnian Muslim was not a highly accepted relationship. They married anyway and had a daughter, Sunsika. Due to the conflict in former Yugoslavia, Enos and Sunsika had to flee Bosnia in early 1992 and started a refugee journey through different locations in Croatia and resettled in Chicago in December of 1993. James reunited with them on Valentine's Day in 1995. Rex Mwamba is an employment services case manager at Catherine McCauley Center in Cedar Rapids. Born in and originally from the Democratic Republic of Congo, Rex arrived in the United States in the state of Iowa in August 2013. Rex has a bachelor's degree in computer science, telecommunication, and network administration from the DRC. After he completed the English program at Kirkwood Community College, he obtained an IT certificate and an associate degree in network and system administration at the same institution. Today, Rex works as an employment services case manager where he attends daily work to settle and integrate refugees from all of the world into Cedar Rapids and the community there in, in Iowa. Finally, Zalme Niaze was born in a rural village in the Orozgan province of Afghanistan. He learned to speak fluent English at the age of 13 and later worked as an interpreter for several branches of the United States Armed Forces upon graduating from high school. Mr. Niaze has a bachelor's degree in business administration from Cardin University in Kabul, and he has worked for different national and international organizations, including Titan Linguistics, Red Orange International, and Kabyle General Supplies. He moved to Iowa in the United States in, in 2015, and based on the community desire, decided to establish a small business, Z's, Handyman Services, LLC, which he now owns and operates in Iowa Falls. Please join me in welcoming 
Elizabeth, Enos, Rex, and Zalme. Greetings to you all. Uh, how, how are you each doing uh, today? Rex, Elizabeth, Enos, how are you? Great, thank you. Thank you, I'm doing well. Thank you. Good. And I don't know if, uh, Elizabeth, yeah, you can turn your, your camera on. Um, and I don't know if Zalme is in the room. We, we expect him to be here, um, but I've, I've not yet seen him. This, uh, Zalme, if you're here, do turn on your, your, your camera. Uh, are, oh, there you are. You are here, fabulous. <laughs> Hello. You're, you're on mute. Um, so if you'd hit your unmute button, then we can hear you. It's in your uh, bottom. Yep, there we go. Yes, here I am. Hello, how are you? Everybody. Very good. good. Good, how are you, Mr. Peter? Good, I'm fabulous. Good. fabulous. Being here with all of you, uh, I'm, I'm, in such a, I'm in such a great mood. Uh, okay, you've all heard me speak quite a bit. So let's, let's turn to our fabulous panelists. And uh, I'd like to begin with uh, an easy question. Um, I've shared your bios, of course, but there are details that are missing, and I'm wondering what parts of your stories you'd like to share with us. So, in a few sentences, would you share your migration story to Iowa? What more would you like to tell us? Uh, maybe, uh, Rex, could I start with you? Yes. So, um, my name is Rex. And I'd like to say here that I arrived in Iowa in Nine, uh, 2014, August 2014. And the first thing was the winter that came, uh, came up in 2014. It was so cold. And then I remember leaving uh, a package of water in my trunk and then the next morning it was frozen. I told my wife I need to go back to Congo. I can't stay in this country. I will die, but um, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy at all. I came here uh, as an immigrant. Uh, the main reason I was school. So I brought my wife and my son. He was only nine months. So we went through uh, that fight till now. I went to school, I tried to do my best. Uh, still learning English still today. So, uh, so I finished, um, I had my associate degree from Kirkwood. I work for System Unlimited. Now I'm working for Catherine McCauley Center. And in the middle of that, I was also able to create my company, which is called World Development LLC. We are trying to uh, do several things, but the main thing is we are putting African jar, African vegetable in, in, in jars, and we're selling them right now all over the United States. So that's pretty much me, you know, in a simple word. Yeah, that's fabulous, Rex. Would you mind uh, if you're able to put the website uh, for your organization into the, the chat? Yes, I will, yeah. Great, great. 
Um, next, uh, Zalme, I'll, I'll ask you the same question, um, you know, in, in a few sentences, uh, however long you'd like. Uh, would you share your, your own migration story to Iowa? What more would you like to tell us than what I read in your bio? Uh, as Mr. Rex said that uh, I came to Iowa in winter too, it was quite different and uh, <laughs> the weather was extremely cold and I came from Washington DC. It was a uh, totally a different, different area than Iowa. And when my cousin that lived here in Iowa Falls, he picked me up from the airport and I, I didn't know where is he going to take me because it's not the America I have seen and or, or I have saw on the TVs, you know, like for that one month that I was in, uh, Washington DC I thought the whole country is going to be like that and uh, and that was quite different for me and then uh, when I came here to Iowa it was extremely hard I didn't knew anybody and it was it's a small town and it, you're just stick up everywhere and people can notice somebody new in the community and in the area and uh, it didn't take me long that to get to introduce to friends and and peoples and uh, now I know everybody and everybody knows me and uh, we are I have my adopted families that we we share good times and good memories and I've been very lucky living in Iowa and it's been common Iowa nice and I it's, it's been proven to everybody now wonderful thank you Zalman yeah you're welcome uh Elizabeth uh I'll turn Next to you, the same question. Uh, would you share your migration story to Iowa? Yes, thank you, uh, Peter. But I think my video is not working. The, uh -oh. host, the host has disabled it. Oh. So. I'm the host. <laughs> I don't remember disabling your video. Uh, no, that's okay. Well, Zoom life, uh, we'll, we'll push on. Uh, and if we're able to clear that up, uh, we absolutely will. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, that's fine. I can just share. Uh, well, yeah. first, uh, my name is Elizabeth Bernal, and I'm original from Mexico City. Um, I arrived to United States when I was 18 years old, and I think we have the same uh, winter story. It's very cold. Coming from Mexico, I moved in Iowa City um, when it's a winter time in 2003, but I was living in California for nine years old, so it was big difference winter in Iowa. And I think when I moved here in Iowa, um, I was very afraid to ask for support because my legal status, I came as immigrant. So it was very different uh, rules and culture and everything for me. So it was kind of like a shock uh, to come to United States knowing what is going to be expecting. And I just moved because of, uh, the poverty in my country was very bad. So my first baby, because we didn't have a job or money, so died and because I didn't able to attend to the doctor. So for my second pregnancy, I decided to just uh, move to the city, but this was very difficult for money. So I kind of like just running away from what, um, get a better life. So as immigrant moving to Iowa, it was very difficult. So I've been learning a lot in Iowa <laughs> because we got, uh, as immigrants, we got a lot of barriers in Iowa. So that's kind of my, how I 
I'm here, but I've been moving forward. Uh, in 2007, I got my GED. So it's been a pleasure to be in Iowa, the community. I found out that when I learned that language, uh, it's a very welcome community. So I'm glad that I'm here in Iowa. And thank you for all the support for all those organizations that we have in Iowa. Yeah, thank you, Elizabeth. Yeah, uh, your stories are, are, are all uh, very different. Uh, and uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit more about the Iowa winter, which we're all feeling currently. Um, but uh, before we do, Enos, uh, to you, uh, would you share your migration story with us? Uh, yes, of course. Um, I, um, as you mentioned before, from my bio, um, I was born and raised in Croatia, got married in Bosnia, experienced war in Bosnia, uh, flee to Croatia and moved several times uh, looking for a quiet place, uh, just just outside of war borders, uh, which I did found on one of the islands of Croatia. Uh, and then in summer of 1992, uh, 1993, uh, I did uh, hear about the uh, resettlement program to United States and decided to um, apply. And I was accepted uh, and I arrived to Chicago in December of 1993, again in winter, like most of us. <laughs> there is something about winter and arriving here. <laughs> so yeah, it was uh, quite experience. I was one of the lucky ones to have a family sponsor who, that was my uncle, who, um, who take me and my daughter in their home and helped us throughout the process of allowed me to uh, learn some English, get my first job. And uh, after my husband joined us uh, after three years of separation in Valentine days of 1995, um, he got the job, he wasn't doing very well in Chicago. Uh, so I started to look for a better place for us. And I did find it here in Des Moines, uh, Iowa. And uh, somebody mentioned Iowa nice, and that is a true thing. <laughs> Uh, I'm more than uh, grateful for all the agencies and people who helped me in Chicago, but I find the life in Iowa much easier uh, and more quiet and more refugee friendly. So yeah, that's uh, something that I experienced. Fabulous. And uh, being that you're in Des Moines, uh, Enos, uh, makes me think a lot about uh, this article uh, that I, I share with my students uh, but I think everyone here in the room would be interested in it as well uh, from IPR. Uh, do check it out if you have a moment, uh, basically uh, talking about the ways in which the Midwest is a rather desirable place uh, for many reasons, such as those that just mentioned, uh, to, uh, to, to start life in the United States, uh, or uh, in many cases, Iowa is a desirable secondary migration by which we mean, for example, as, as what Zahn might put, he started in Washington, D.C., or um, uh, Enos' husband in Chicago, and then came to another place, uh, secondary migration. So it's a popular uh, location for that as well. Uh, so do, do read that, do read that article. It, it's a good one. Um, so yeah, I want to, I want to change directions a little bit, uh, but build off on uh, what you, what you each shared. Um, you came to the United States uh, 
from very different circumstances and uh, truly from very different parts of the world. Uh, so I, I wonder, um, maybe you could share with us a little how the experience of moving to Iowa, uh, how it differs from people from different walks of life. So here I'm thinking about um, what are some of the differences between being a refugee, being an immigrant, being documented or undocumented, uh, having familial or friendship ties and not having those ties. Um, what are some of the differences? Uh, and maybe, Enos, could I start with you with this question? Uh, as you are at the, the Bureau of Refugee Services, uh, and you, you sort of, in some ways, have uh, a broader scope uh, on this. Um, yeah, um, as I mentioned before, I was the lucky one to have a family sponsor who helped me uh, with all the um, first days in the United States. Um, it is uh, really crucial to have uh, uh, people who will support you. So here in uh, Bureau of Refugee Services, we are trying to uh, help and be the uh, be the one who will support uh, uh, our new arrivals through all the uh, parts of their assimilation to uh, this new uh, society. And uh, it is it is quite different if you have support or if you come as an immigrant and you have limited support. It makes a, a huge difference. Um, I mean, just understanding uh, the things around you. Uh, having somebody to help you with transportation, having somebody uh, to guide you through the whole process of applying, uh, just having access to benefits is huge. I mean, if you are able to have access to public assistance, to uh, Medicaid, it's crucial. Some uh, We need to remember that a lot of Im uh, immigrants do not have access to those and do not have all the support systems. So um, we are uh, here to help. And uh, as a, a person who works for the Bureau of Refugee Services, we try uh, our best to be the, their sponsors, their, um, their voice in, in the whole process. Yeah. Um, I wonder, uh, Elizabeth, if you could speak to, uh, to this question uh, for a moment. Your experience was much different. Uh, and you, you mentioned being in California for a longer period of time. Uh, I wonder, in your, your own experience as an individual, separate from some of the work that you've been doing, what, what do you think? How is the experience of moving to, to Iowa uh, different for 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 new folks for new Iowans depending on let's call it their status. Well, um, moving uh, from my country to California, it was not a big difference because they uh, the language is the fish first barrier that I found out for myself. But uh, in California, a lot of people speak Spanish. But moving from California to Iowa, it's where it's kind of the came more difficult for, for me and my family because there, we don't have like people that support. It's uh, to us to give the community resources, to give uh, information about what uh, it's going on in here in Iowa. Uh, of course, the language is kind of like the biggest barriers for all refugees and immigrants uh, who are coming in new in, the, in this community because how they can able to communicate if they don't have the, the language, uh, how they can express themselves. And it's um, very kind of like uh, 
scary even for us for something because they don't know the language and that's kind of uh and when i think for my own experience the uh, people who are willing to give the support uh to other people and the language make sure like if you don't understand i found out myself people didn't understand i didn't understand english but we able to communicate some way like even i know they try to help me and they know that they, i need some hope so that's um was our path it's it's very um scary to be in a, a place that you don't know if they are welcoming you or if they talking to you what they saying so it's a lot of points that um people experience so but support and language is the biggest issue that uh we come and come from here because we don't know nobody some people myself uh it's um as many other people that they arrive in iowa they don't have any family ties so they don't have no support at all to to that so it's depend if they have kids depend of the in the school district if they don't have kids it depends on, on organization how welcoming to them and how if they feel safe in the uh, commu community area they able to communicate and if they have somebody who speak their own language that it's big big deal for uh people that they can able to uh help them and they can able to feel welcome in the community that's i think that's the big uh just find a way easy way to to go keeping going in life that's uh, i think it's they we come from uh different issues and they br brought here in the united states because we feel safe but at the same time, we question a lot, like it's actually safety here when you uh, came and in another place that you don't know the language. So it, it, it is a big uh, change and come out with a, a lot of stuff going uh, and you have to just thinking positive and keeping going. Yeah, yeah. You're you're right, and I mean, I, it's it's important to understand these these differences uh, in statuses and what it means for uh, an individual, what it means for a family when they first arrive, what what supports are there, and we'll talk in a little bit about uh, organizations, uh, some of which uh, all of you uh, are, are working for, <clears throat> and what you see with those organizations and how they're able to support folks, uh, Zalme. Uh, am I correct that you came uh, to the United States on an SIV, a special immigrant visa? Uh, yes, sir. The, I had an opportunity to get an SIV, but I, uh, I was very involved in, uh, in my daily life back in Afghanistan that I knew that I will be able to be a good asset to my country and just did so many different work with different organization but they were all for like educational purposes for those organization that they were in the country it was mostly education and infrastructure teams and stuff and i i didn't have that intention that to leave my country and i was working with them and stuff like that in 2014 i was honored to attend the conference in washington dc that was uh it was uh, 
matchmaking business conference between the organization that I have worked for and they assigned me or they accepted me to be their representative and we were just trying to gather different different uh, ways and process and strategies for attracting more businesses and peoples that to do infrastructure things in Afghanistan. As I had the background of being an interpreter with the coalition forces, I was witness of so many different attacks and harms to my, to myself and my family. I, due to the involvement with the U.S. troops, I had an uncle that got kidnapped by the Taliban and got murdered, and I got shot plenty times and arms and shoulders, and I was about to lose an eye. But nothing has stopped me and helping my country and my people. I attended this conference and the day I, I got here and we were ready for the conference, I was in the media and had some, some uh, achievements and I shared it with some local, local TVs or stuff like that that was there. And that went against me and they got back to the Taliban that before I was only an interpreter and now I'm going to be a U.S. spy for the for the United States and destroy Afghanistan. And I had enough of it. And I was like, I can't change their mind. And my family was in priority too. And I couldn't, I couldn't like, I didn't want them to go through anymore because of me. And while I was here, I said, I want to stay in the country. Like if I had any intention of staying, coming to United States, I would have applied for SIV or so many other things that I was eligible for and I was able to do, but I didn't and I didn't want it either. So when I came here and it just turned upside down and everything was very harsh and uh, I decided to stay in the country and I applied for a political asylum and uh, for a while I have stayed in Washington, D.C. And then I moved to Iowa, Falls, Iowa, where my cousin lived. And I decided to start my leave new and, and uh, an enjoyable life here in Iowa. But I am still in an, uh, in an asylee status and I haven't gotten any anywhere with my legal documents, but it's in process and it's, it's a long story as you know better. Yeah, sure. Yes, uh, and your, your circumstances are very particular too. I think what a lot of people uh, in this country are seeing now with, with, uh, with many Afghans uh, who, have, who have fled your country. Um, I wonder if you would share with us a little bit about what it was like to move to Iowa Falls as an individual. Uh, it's a small town uh, and being somebody who is uh, you know, mostly on your own and having to figure it out, uh, what was uh, what was that like? It was uh, like I said that I was uh, at the very young age. I was very successful in life, and I had everything very, very uh, easy for myself in Afghanistan. And I had to leave everything, and everything has been left behind. And I have started my life in Iowa with nothing. And if I say triple zero, that's even less. And I came here with just a shirt and a bag that I had because I, my intentions was staying in the country for three days and getting back to Afghanistan. And uh, which we know better that uh, 
uh, it is a way expensive ways of life and uh, expenses are way higher in the United States than Afghanistan. Like a school teacher make a hundred dollar in Afghanistan in a month and they can support their family and live off. But here you can't stay alive for a day with a hundred dollar here, especially if you're just a newcomer here. But anyways, it was, uh, it was some very hard and sad days that I had in Iowa and uh, everything was new and I went through some very, very, very tough times. And it was, I, I didn't have any legal documents and I couldn't work and I couldn't uh, do anything legally. Like there were some options of being working under the table, but you still have to prove some papers and documents for the employer that to get you hired and for the job. But it was, uh, it was, it was a very rough road. And uh, luckily, thankfully, by the help of many of my friends, and uh, they got me, they got me into the right doors. And uh, that's how I, I got to hire the right lawyers and uh, became somebody that the community support and welcome and uh, able to live among them without any discrimination or any other problem. So yeah, you might be a, a shining example of what uh, some folks uh, mean when they say Iowa nice, your community really rallied around you, didn't they? They, uh, yes, like I said, that I've been very lucky and uh, it's a small town. Our population is about 5,000 people. And if I say 4,900 of them know me, who I am and <laughs> where I am from and how did I get here and what are, what were the ways and what were the obstacles that I had to go through that to get to the point that where I am. And I am a great example for the young generation in the in town and in the community. I go to the schools and gatherings and I explain to them about what's an American dream, who I am, how did I started my new life and what can be done in America and what are, what are the loops that you have to go through to become successful in life. It doesn't matter where you are. If you're, if you're alive and if you're healthy and if you are somebody that can help your family in any part of the world, that matters and just be who you are. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, speaking of, of community and thinking about what we can all do for, for one another, uh, we have a good number of people in our audience today, uh, which, which really warms my heart. Uh, and so Rex, I'd like, to, I'd like to turn to you, um, both as you, as you see this as an individual, uh, and, and also partly in your work with the Catherine McCauley Center. What would you say um, Iowans, so folks who are born and raised uh, in this state or elsewhere in the US uh, should know about their international neighbors? And I'm thinking both of uh, folks who have just moved here. We've touched um, maybe more so on the, you know, the, the brand new experience of coming here, but I'm also thinking right now about folks who have been here a longer period of time. What would you, what would you tell folks here about, you know, things that, that uh, folks born and raised in the U.S. should really know? And maybe one way to, to make more specific that question is, 
what are you seeing and what have you experienced yourself also uh, as being some of the main challenges? Uh, we'll also talk about opportunities and joys, but what have you seen as, as some of the main challenges uh, faced by folks that, that, um, that, you're, that you're working with and maybe thinking about your own experience? Yeah, so as uh, Ines uh, and Elizabeth said, it's, it's a very challenging situation when people, they have to move to a country that they don't know the language, they don't have support, they don't have um, resources, they don't know where to go. I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult. Um, for myself, I can say um, at 25 years, I was a uh, second manager of a construction company in Congo and life is economically saying it's cheap than in the United States. You can have uh, like uh, 1,200 a month. It's, it's a lot of money in Congo. You can pay your rent, you can you know, pay your bills, you can save some money because you know, uh, I, ha I had an apartment of three bedroom I was paying 200 a month in Congo. And when I come to United States, I have an apartment of two bedroom and I was paying $700. That is a huge change for a lot of uh, immigrants. So for folks that were born here, uh, they need to know just the difference between uh, immigration status. We have, um, uh, we have refugees, we have immigrants, we have migrants, and then immigrant is people that they, they have, uh, I can say, um, uh, a, a strong desire to move from the country to another country. So it's, they decide themselves, they wanna move to another country. So to maybe to have a better life, but refugees, they are, it's totally different because refugees is the people that they were forced to move from the, the, con the country to another country. Sometimes uh, some refugees spend more than 10 years in refugees camp in other countries before they, they pick them up. I mean, they're not choosing to move to US, to France or to other developing country, but they just, United States is asking the U, uh, United uh, UNHCR to if they can uh, send a couple people in the United States. And then sometimes they don't even know where they're going, which state they will be. So when they come here, they're still refugee for life term. You know, it's the people that they didn't want to come here. They want maybe to stay in the country and do take care of the business, but they were forced to come, uh, you know, to leave the country and then maybe send to another country. So we need to understand that those people, they need, they need, they need support. They need, they, they don't have resources. They don't speak lang the language. And then it's, it's hard for everything. Like uh, a couple of days ago, I went to see one of my clients. It was very cold. And she didn't have even shoes. She had only sandals, you know? And then I told her, you cannot wear this in the winter, you know? So it's, 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 it's just difficult to, uh, you know, to, for other people to understand 
And then the other side, we have uh, like the economic situation that's there is other companies that they need people to work for them. And, and then they see those refugees as resources, you know, as uh, employees that they can hide in the companies. But there is some other people, they don't really understand that. You know, I have questions like, why these immigrants are coming here? Why they choose Iowa? Why, what are they doing here, you know? So uh, for the person that doesn't have any company, doesn't need anybody to work for him, for your know, immigrants or refugees is just people that's coming into Iowa and then they're looking to get the jobs and then that's why they think, that's the way they're thinking, but the economy is growing. When uh, we have more people, then we have more business. We have more people, then Walmart's come to open the business in your area. And then it's, it's, it's not easy. Um, in the audience, I have one of my teachers who saw me when I just arrived, is Miss Ryan Denner at Kirkwood. So it wasn't easy. I was talking to him most of the time, asking questions. My English was, was my fifth language I was learning. But it wasn't, it wasn't easy. Uh, at some point, I even decided to go back because uh, I can say I had a better life in Congo. But, and then I'm like, okay, let's stay. Let's see how things go. So now I'm American citizen, but uh, things are still, you know, not easy, you know, to, to put together. So. Yeah, I, I really appreciate the the really sort of you know complicated complex uh, landscape uh, that you just described there, right? I mean, there there's there's so much uh, going on, and I think from the you know from the vantage point of of somebody who's born and and raised in the United States, there's so much that uh, folks may not know. Uh, there are. Um, <laughs> In many cases, I think a lot of folks haven't had haven't had the opportunity. Truly, it's an opportunity to have uh, in-person conversations with with refugees and immigrants. Uh, I think we've talked about language a little bit uh, as as being a significant challenge and how long it takes to learn the language. And it's also really it's also really uh, you know it's tricky. I think sometimes for folks from this country who aren't used to sort of the what I like to call Englishes. Uh, you know, a really broad array of ways of speaking English. Um, it's, it is a beautiful language, but it's spoken in so many ways. And I, uh, I, I love hearing that, um, that there are many ways of, of trying to figure out how to make life anew in, in Iowa. And you've again touched on, uh, and you you work for the Catherine McCulley Center, and I want to touch on a little bit later how organizations do really important work. In our last conversation uh, in December, we talked uh, a little bit about the Catherine McCulley Center too and, and the work they're doing there. Uh, and I don't want to dwell too much on the challenges because I think in the United States in many places, we dwell far too often in the challenges uh, as well as, and in, in, in many ways, the perceived challenges. Um, but I don't want to leave anything out. Uh, Elizabeth, do you mind speaking for a moment too, building on perhaps what Rex has just shared? Uh, you know, what would you say 
uh, people who are born and raised in the US, in, in, in Iowa in particular, perhaps, um, should know about their international neighbors. What would, what would you like to, uh, what would you like to tell folks? What do you wish folks had known? Well, what do you well, wish they do know now? Not just back then, but now as well. <laughs> I guess it's uh, just take a moment and welcome any like all the people that it's surround you because we don't know them. We don't know all they have different stories and stories is a richness, smart witness that you can uh, keep in going and talk to those people. So I really, that person that, with one smile, I think I feel like welcome. So if you just go and say hi to your neighbor and want to learn more, just be open to be learning more about your neighbor or other people in like in the store and you can be really friendly to people. And that makes a, a huge difference, I think, for uh, anyone, especially in these moments with the pandemic that we have, that we cannot be congregated together for too many, too long time and it's just, being a little crazy time, but I think it's possible that it would just kind of like the smile, hi, if you drop up your kids at school, just be friendly and welcome to anybody. I think everyone needs, now it's not only for immigrants and refugees, but I think everyone needs a smile and being touched to each other. Uh, today, we, these days it's very difficult that really needs, we need to support to each one, each to another one, no matter where you're from, where you come from, what you're doing here. It's, I think it's just be welcome, but also just be aware that those people that they are not responding to your welcome is because they probably have some trauma. They come from, from other country. They, you don't know what this, the path they left there. So just be welcome anyway. They just be respect to them as um, many challenge for refugees and immigrants and migrants, so that's, uh, like Rex said, we have already those challenges that if you make less heavy in our shoulders, I think it's just support them, support organizations, support, uh, welcome the, uh, in the community, be open mind, respect. Uh, when I'm saying like welcome, it's just not, like you don't have to go and knock the door if you don't need it or you don't want it, if you feel comfortable, welcome, but I think it's just, with the one smile, it's they feel that they they being um, access to somebody and be feel affected by the community. Kind of like, okay, I'm welcome here. I can be here, and that makes a a, a little a safe place for the immigrant community and refugees. As we face a lot the barriers already, so we don't feel like uh, sometimes it's uh, the right place or this it's a safe place so and it's very difficult because uh, sometimes we only looking to be a step in the community and that's when the a lot the uh, organization came uh start bringing the welcoming in and people can support all individual organization like cwj the worker center um we have too many, like we are so lucky in Iowa that we have too many organizations that they speak their own language, that they speak their, uh, they can be there and they can be, have time, culture, they can share stories. Uh, we are too many people and it's too many stories to hear. And it's about just enjoy 
uh, time with every people. So that story is, is able to, to share that up there and people know and learn more about uh, like people like us as refugees or immigrants, we are have like challenge, but also a lot of opportunities that it's open in our, these times. What a what a wonderful transition you just uh, you just created there, uh, Elizabeth. Uh, thank you very much. And I want to I want to move a little bit to organizations too, and talking about what organizations are out there. What kinds of uh, work are they doing? Uh, many of you you work for or you're connected uh, with many of these organizations. So uh, the newest Iowans do have unique needs, as as you've all described, uh, in. And they really vary. Are you in a larger city like Des Moines? Are you in a smaller location like Iowa Falls? Um, I'm wondering if we can talk a little bit about how organizations across the state uh, support uh, individuals, immigrants, uh, refugees, documented folks, undocumented folks, and maybe especially those without the sort of family or familial ties that we've been talking about that are so important. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of state agencies, I'm thinking of local nonprofits, uh, and in, in maybe in, in some ways, I think also what you're saying too, Elizabeth, are uh, ECBOs, uh, by which I mean ethnic community-based organizations, which are organizations that are uh, funded by, uh, founded by, excuse me, and uh, are led by predominantly folks who are refugees and immigrants themselves. Um, so there, there's really a range uh, of, of different kinds of organizations. Embark is one uh, that is in Des Moines and Waterloo. They have a, a location in Marshalltown as well. Monsoon uh, is another that's in Des Moines and Iowa City. NISA, again, in Des Moines and Iowa City. The Refugee and Immigrant Association here in Iowa City. All examples of amazing ECBOs doing important work. Um, <clears throat> Maybe uh, Ian, a second turn to you. Um, as far as the kinds of things that uh, organizations are able to do, uh, what do you see as being the important function there? What uh, we, we described it a lot of uh, a lot of challenges, but also opportunities, and these organizations can help create opportunities. Am I right? Yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, they are different uh, ways uh, and different uh, kinds of organizations. Like, for example, here at the Bureau of Refugee Services, we are providing all important services that are mostly um, employment-related, uh, education-related, job skills training uh, classes, uh, in interpretations for languages that we do have in our house, uh, transportation, all these good things, but then uh, it, a lot of things are not possible without uh, these ECBOs because they are the ones who know the community the best because they are started by people of their own countries. You know, <laughs> they are. There is a good place to find uh, a list of um, these ECBOs. It's on uh, RASI website, uh, which is. Um, now I can't remember what Strati stands for. <laughs> I will remember it in a little bit. But they are- You're talking uh, about the, the Refugee Alliance? Of the Refugee Alliance of Central Iowa, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sorry about that. Oh, look, uh, there it is. Thank you, Mark. Is, 
uh, yeah, <laughs> thank you, Mark, for the link. Uh, but uh, they do have a, a, a website uh, and a page on all these ECBOs and how you can uh, participate in that. But it is, uh, I think, the main, uh, the, the crucial part is that they are started and they uh, the people that work there are the, the people from those uh, refugee communities and they know, I mean, we can speak all we want, but I can't speak uh, about Afghans just as much as Zalmai can, and I can't speak about Congo just as, as good as Rex can. I mean, we can think we know, but the, the people who from their own communities do know the real issues and all this. And uh, I also need to mention, um, we are touching base on uh, needs of refugees and uh, immigrants. And uh, we for often forget to mention uh, 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 mental health uh, uh, needs of communities. We need to remember that, especially the refugee community, uh, uh, the refugees are coming from war zones. I mean, from conflict zones. I mean, that's, I mean, just leaving your home uh, uh, in, in a moment uh, can be very traumatic, and especially if it's followed by uh, other events that are also traumatic. So, so yeah, we need to be open. We need to be um, uh, good listeners uh, and learn from these newcomers. And as Elizabeth mentioned, the language is not always an obstacle. Uh, you know, there are ways to understand people, you know, even if you don't speak the same language. Um, the good thing is, I mean, put yourself in their own shoes, uh, share a meal with refugee or immigrant, you know, do something uh, that to, to hear and learn about their experiences. They are amazing people, they are survivors, and there are great organizations that are ready to serve them. So um, there are like state agencies, the state agency, it's only one, and then there are resettlement agencies who uh, have, who are, crucial in resettling and these ECBOs uh, who are the great helpers and the, they have great programs and uh, are really we could not do the work without them. Yeah, you, you covered so much fabulous ground there, Ines. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I love that you're here. Uh, Yes, and, and please do, for folks in the audience, please do check out the two links. One is from the University of Iowa. Uh, it gives a list of international organizations. One is from uh, Rossi, like Ina said. Thank you, Mock, for, for putting that in there. These organizations, they're in many ways a network. They know one another. They know the work that they're doing, and they serve uh, a, a large um, cross-section of folks uh, in our state. And all are doing incredible work. You're so right, uh, Enos, about mental health. And I want to I want to just uh, point out really quickly that in our next conversation in, in this series uh, next month, we are going to be talking about COVID-19, but we're going to be talking about health and wellness more broadly. We're going to be speaking about mental health. You're right. There is there is so much there that we need to be thinking about. We're in the midst of a pandemic, and refugee and immigrant uh, communities especially those that have first come that are new to the state are really impacted. How does one move to the state? How does one uh, feel connected to home, feel welcomed by community members when it's so difficult for any one of us to do that during a pandemic? Um, I wanna also point out, uh, as I've done in previous sessions, uh, a couple books, uh, and we'll be sharing this throughout this series, The Displaced, 
uh, Refugee Writers on Refugee Lives is an incredible book. We're having conversations like this one talking about the, the complexities, the nuances, the contradictions that are inherent in life, um, but also in the refugee and immigrant experience. Another, We the Interwoven, uh, this is a three-part anthology. There are three books all about Iowa, uh, refugees and immigrants uh, and, and folks who are, are maybe uh, grandkids of immigrants talking about their own experiences. Um, I want to turn to you, Rex. What are you seeing at the Catherine McCauley Center? Uh, your work there is largely focused on employment. Um, what, what does an organization like the Catherine McCauley Center, and perhaps others that you know of, do for folks that are trying to become employed in our state? So, yeah, we have uh, in my department, we have a program that we call uh, Matching Grants. So that is the first program we use to help refugees when they first arrive. So we are giving them some cash assistance uh, from federal fund, and we are maybe paying the grant. And then at the meantime, I'm working with them to find employment. So I have a couple companies I'm connected with, we work with, and then I will be starting building the resume and uh, start getting, you know, connection with uh, companies here around the Cedar Rapids area. And then it's not, it's not easy because uh, the first thing we are having as a challenge is uh, language and transportation because these guys cannot drive until they get the paperwork from driver license department and and then they don't have money so they cannot buy cars so we work <clears throat> with other companies that are so uh, run Cedar Rapid that provide transportation we work with Iowa workforce we work with care code and uh, just trying to to find the best option for each one of them. Like right now we are experiencing uh, a huge number of arrival from Afghanistan. And then so far I put maybe, I can say around 50 people working at Whirlpool right now. And then we end up with Whirlpool to find a transportation, uh, I mean, fix the transportation issue. So Whirlpool provide a bus that is just coming to uh, the pickup point, get the folks and take them to work. And but we're still having more uh, people that need job. So I'm just going and talk to other companies. But <clears throat> there is other companies that are not in Cedar Rapids area. We can have like Manchester, Diasville, but it's far, and then the transportation issue is a, is a big challenge. So that's what we do. And then once they, they, they start working and they become self-sufficient, then we can stop with matching grant program, and then they can be on their own. And then if they, they need to change the job, or they need education, or they need something else, we, we always been there for, to help in, in either way. That's incredible. I mean, what you just described there is uh, really what 
we would all need moving to a new country, hoping that there would be organizations to support our efforts uh, to, to become employed and to stay employed. Uh, and one thing that you noted, transportation, I have to imagine, is a real challenge because what? I mean, many of us sort of believe, expect, know that in the United States, it can be very hard to get around if you don't have reliable transportation. Uh, and for the for folks who have uh, who have had a, a car their whole life, may not really appreciate how difficult it is to get around, not only to get a job but to keep that job to go day after day. Uh, what happens if you're in a pinch? Um, that's that's a real challenge, and it's it's wonderful to know that there are organizations that are doing the incredible work, such as Catherine McCauley Center and and others. Again, uh, take a look at that list because there are many um, that are that are doing this work. Rex, without those services for folks in Cedar Rapids, uh, uh, this is sort of an unfair question, um, but what would that experience be like if there weren't organizations in a place like Cedar Rapids to assist folks in um, becoming uh, you know, fully engaged new Iowans? I can be honest with you, it will be very difficult. It's just, I mean, for refugees, I can say they are even lucky because we ha they have this organization around helping them. But for immigrants, it's, it's tough, it's difficult. I can say, I can get my own experience. Uh, I, was a, I was thinking to go back. Being uh, a second manager for a construction company, which was making enough money, and coming here and start working in a warehouse just after one month, and then nobody knows you there, and then they, 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 they don't even care about you. You need just to do what they're asking you to do, and then, then you're getting the money, and you can save anything on the money you need to pay. Or you need to pay your bills. You need to know how uh, to drive in snow. And if, I mean, it's 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 not easy. It's, it's not easy at all. And but for let's say for refugees, they they stay in a refugee camp for so long, and some they didn't even had a chance to you know finalize with the, the education. And then, so then they come here, they, they have kids, some they have six, seven, 10 kids. It's, I mean, it's tough. It's very difficult. And then they need uh, all the support from, I mean, we have a lot of good people around that they are helping. They are bringing the uh, uh, donation and any kind of donation, so then we can be able to assist them in, uh, you know, assist them to settle and then and start getting, you know, uh, involved in the community and then, you know, being a part of the community in Iowa City, maybe also Cedar Rapids and around. Zome, would you say that um, 
going to a, a smaller area of the state like Iowa Falls, it was very much uh, your fellow community members, your neighbors uh, who, uh, who supported you uh, early on. And, and uh, you've, you've made uh, an incredible uh, employment for yourself. Uh, you're, you have Z's uh, uh, handyman services, right? Uh, yeah. What would you like as an individual coming to uh, a more rural part of the state and, and getting started without some of the organizations that we've been talking about? Uh, yes, sir. I, uh, like uh, I said earlier that I've been very lucky that I had, uh, I had helps and uh, actually I got, uh, I got offered some, uh, some help by different organizations, but uh, what I have been told and what the experience of other Afghans and other uh, immigrants were that never settle or never rely on the help from the organizations. This way you're not going to get any farther in your life and try to try to be motivated and try to work hard, forget who you were and just start your new life as a, who you are and trust yourself and believe in yourself and try to prove it. And whatever ob ob obstacles are coming your way, you have to, you have to fight it. And there are ways to do that. And uh, like Rex and uh, our other fellas, they are doing an incredible job. And as a as a, an individual, uh, we are seeing a lot of Afghan refugees and Afghan uh, Afghan evacuees that have been here. And I have some very, very uh, different experience with them. Like from Iowa Falls, I traveled to Des Moines and Cedar Rapids and many other areas that I was able to input. I, I just do the things that I can. And I've been seeing a lot of different a lot of different problems that they have. And uh, I'm experiencing so many different things. Like as an individual, I have different ideas that how can we help these people to settle? And what are my personal experiences that I can share with them that what are the things that can help you? And, uh, but there are a lot of obstacles uh, in our way that with the help of these organization and our general public, like Elizabeth said, before that we have to welcome these people we have to have some some sort of uh some sort of uh like awareness for the people that these are the people like i'm talking about what we are seeing today like united states is a country that's made out of immigrants but right now we have a lot of a lot of people that the world have seen that we brought more than a hundred thousand in different states and which iowa is part of one of those that if we just talk basically about our Iowa people, that we will see some some different faces if we greet them with with respect and if we understand their problems and if we are being patient with them and if we can do if we can do some stuff with the organization that they are helping them or with the individuals and families that will really help and uh, just just like I said, Iowa Nice, it, they've been doing an incredible job, but it's still not enough. And we have to, we all have to get together and make it better and proper. Like my experience with them is uh, like, uh, we know that uh, Iowa is cold and I, 
this last week, uh, sir, I, I just traveled to many different counties and different places, and I have talked to several people, and I am gathering in my trucks and trailers, I gathering clothing, furniture, appliances, whatever I can find for the people that they have kids and families. That those are in my priority that I can do something for them, like their organization, like Rex said that they've been doing some stuff, but then they have to do, but like coming to this country with nothing and starting all over and uh, it is really hard and seeing people with five, six kids and uh, it is extremely hard that they had a they had a nice, nice living or they had something, some normal lifestyle and whatever in their countries. And this is how the problem they have here or their other problems are uh, language and uh, talk to talk to a few of them that what, what how far are you or you did you apply for work? Did you apply for are you on track for to study the DOT and other relevant information and if you talk to them you will notice that he's not able to speak fluent their own native language or they can't write read and write their language how will they be able to do something in english so that is that is some uh, some obstacles that we have there as a, a group of friends that i know that they are in many other states we just took some uh, we're working on it, but that's really hard that to translate the Iowa DOT instruction into Dari and Pashto, that are native language of our Afghan people, that if we can translate to them, I was even, even deciding that to make something like a training course, something for our fellows that if we can, if we can at least get them to the point that they know the signs and the some rules and traffic regulation and stuff like that, they will be able to support their families. And I helped a couple of my friends that now they are friends now, but uh, they were, they are the evacuees that came here, uh, made them resumes and helped them to get some jobs. And I got a call. I called him at three o'clock uh, this last week. And he said, uh, I am getting ready to walk home. And it's an hour away from, from his, where he lives, where he's settled to the job site, which is Amazon. And I said, I will call or I will send an email to your employer that I am your reference, that he's not able to walk an hour. He's going to get killed in this terrible storm we had. And let's just wait till we figure something out for your, like, there are, there are so many problems, but our organizations are doing great with them. And I really appreciate, appreciate that as an Afghan and as an immigrant myself and uh, more power to you guys and let's keep it going and we'll be happy to do what I can. Yeah, thank you for saying uh, that, that's all me. I want to key on, on a couple of points you made. Uh, you, you, you started off by, uh, by saying a little bit about, I think, you know, what we might, uh, you know, call some of the narratives about being American and uh, what, it, what it takes to, um, what it takes to be successful in the United States, you know, the independence and uh, self-reliance, uh, kind of toughness, and how does that butt up against the, the realities, right, for, uh, for folks who are coming from places around the world? 
where that those narratives uh, don't exist or they're quite different. And so folks come in perhaps with ideas about the United States, but are, are, are faced with the realities of being here. And you also pointed out, I think really beautifully, the, the sort of interplay that's necessary between the individual and the community. How uh, the, the strides that you're making to make Iowa a little better place, we, we, can, we can all be doing that. Uh, and we can, organizations, you're right, are fabulous. They're doing incredible work. But what is it that as individuals we can be doing more of? Can we be supporting these organizations? Can we be doing a little bit more, like Elizabeth said, to smile uh, and say hello to our neighbors? Uh, maybe to you know, start a small conversation uh, at the schoolyard if we have kids and we're, we're dropping them off. Uh, there's, it, it, it all comes together in a beautifully complicated picture. Um, uh, so I want to, uh, I don't want to leave any final thoughts out because I want to turn to our audience to see if we have any questions. Uh, we've had a, a really rich conversation and you've offered us uh, so much. Is there anything just very briefly that we've left out? Is there anything that you would like uh, folks here to know? Is there anything really important you think we haven't touched on before we turn to our audience for questions? The I would like just to say that uh, as far as I know, we all immigrants, all from somewhere. And then we need just to support each other. And then get, um, like you just said, we need to ask questions to people what they need. If you can provide for any help, please welcome to them or to the agency so we can you know assist these people to zero and then to be a part of the community um for employment i mean sometimes it becomes hard because um for many issues or challenges we are having people can lose their job, and when they lose their job, we need to find another job. It might be far from Cedar Rapid, and then those challenges are huge, and then we're trying as best as we can, you know, to, to face them. Um, yeah, um, that's all I wanted to, to add. Yeah, and during pandemic times uh, as well. Yeah. Uh, any any uh, final notes before I turn to the audience? Elizabeth, Enos, Salome? Uh, yes, sir. <clears throat> uh, the one thing I would like to say that we have a good amount of participants there and they're all can be ambassadors and their villages and their counties and their hometown or even in their blocks that they these peoples that are here they have they came with nothing and anything can help them like i've been uh, i've been collecting so many different things from them and if they like there are some uh, thrift stores or goodwills or some some garage sales and stuff like that if they are thinking like if they spread the word that these are the people that they can use anything that they don't need or anything that they want to get rid of or stuff like that and 
just spread the not beside their needs just to educate them that who these peoples are and what are their intentions and how are they going to settle in this and if they have any problem if they with concerned departments or to some peoples and just just offer them help that they like that they get motivated in staying in Iowa and starting their life with with many different obstacles that they're having. Like I know some of these people that they're here that they 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 don't know anything about Iowa. Like most of the Afghans, all they heard about is California or Virginia or Texas. The reason they chose and the reason they are talking about this, that's where most group of population are there and they are feeling comfortable like elizabeth said that california was more comfortable because they could speak spanish and the language wasn't much of a burden for them because and same as these afghans are having more people more different groups of afghans in there that life is easy for them while they're here and our organizations are processing their papers that to get them on track to start their new life we have to welcome them and we have to appreciate their existing in our communities and we help if we can and be supportive of our our refugees and immigrants or evacuees thank you zalmer uh, elizabeth yeah i just want to reinforce i think he he do very well to explain but i think what people also can do just like be response uh any organization when they ask for support if you respond right away be easy for organizations that we work a lot with in the community with the community all together i think it's not only the organization it's the base is people who want and willing to help to support and respond to those needed so if we say we we need it's because it's not only I need, it's the community needs. Um, and if they need like furniture, so whatever they can do, even time. I know it's very difficult times right now with COVID, but you can learn and a lot from those families, for those people. It's a, a lot of uh, uh, stories that you can get from them. So it's just about educating ourselves, read books like you just offer. That's kind of like another way to educate it. So that can, get you to advocate for those people we need more advocate peoples uh that they can help and support the family and just spread the love i think just love to what you do and if you feel that you need to be a board member and get involved with any organization i think that's because even if we are different organization we need one to another one again as a bigger uh congregation or organization we need to each other so we can have more better communication and reinforce that we can do together a lot of stuff so i think it's uh iowa it's big support but we need response advocate and just to spread the love thank you thank you elizabeth Ines. Um, yeah, I really agree with everything uh, my other presenters uh, said totally. I just want to add that refugees are humans, number one. They are survivors. 
They overcame uh, countless obstacles to come to United States, spent years and years uh, waiting for to enter United States. They are a resource and we can utilize them to enrich a lot of parts of our societies. We, they're not burden at all. They are here to enrich us. So open your hearts and ears for anything, any needs and you will be grateful. Well, are amazing. Um, okay, thank you to each of you. Uh, we now move to the question and answer portion of our program, albeit a short one. Uh, please submit your questions via the chat function at the bottom of your viewing screen. Uh, feel free to turn on your video function, uh, but do uh, remember to keep yourself muted if you would. Uh, while we're waiting for questions to come in, the ICFRC wants to thank its members and donors for their support. Uh, if you would like to join ICFRC or make a gift to support our project on refugees and immigrants in Iowa, please go to icfrc.org. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so uh, please do uh, add your questions into the chat box. Uh, I think we have one here already. Um, okay. Does anyone know about the sponsor circle program? Um, is, is this something that any of the four of you are familiar with? I do know a little bit about this myself. It's a very new thing. I do not. Okay. Uh, the sponsor circle program, yes. Uh, it's sort of uh, an inspired way for uh, communities uh, to, to sponsor individual refugees. Uh, I don't have the link in front of me right now, but the Sponsor Circle program is being uh, endorsed by uh, the U.S. government uh, as a way for individuals uh, within their communities, organizations to make a difference. And it involves people coming together, uh, creating a proposal, uh, and coming up with, uh, uh, I forget, it's a few thousand dollars per individual that will be sponsored. Um, and uh, then submitting this proposal uh, to the Sponsor Circle Program uh, organizers in an effort to, uh, to, you know, many hands make light work. Um, so do, if you have a chance, check out the Sponsor Circle Program. There's a certain number of individuals, I wanna say it's at least five need to come together to create this proposal and demonstrate uh, how they can follow through on that proposal. Um, another question, what are the funded programs such as SNAP benefits, if any, available for immigrants and or refugees to address their basic needs, things like food, shelter, et cetera. How accessible are other kinds of support for these needs? Um, I wonder if uh, maybe Rex or Enos, uh, are you able to address this one? Well, uh, the um, federally funded programs, uh, SNAP and FIP, are all available for uh, refugees and, and Afghan SIVs. Uh, they are uh, there for them to use. Uh, um, depending on the family situation, uh, they can be used for either eight months um, or up to 60 months uh, in the lifetime. Rex, do you want to add something? No, that's right, yes. The uh, food stamp is available for them to use, so, yeah. And I see that uh, folks uh, have, have been putting in uh, thank you to 
Lamont Suchaska, Sally Hartman, uh, and Enos, uh, you did two links there, uh, specific information about sponsor circles. Uh, it, is, it is a way uh, to do more. We've talked a lot in this conversation about uh, ways that you can support local organizations. Uh, this is a way that you can come together as individuals living in wherever you are living to support refugees. Uh, so that's fabulous. Uh, we have just a, a few more minutes. Are there, uh, are there any questions uh, amongst the group? Uh, anything else that you would like to know? And that's okay if you don't. We have uh, filled you with uh, lots of information. Uh, and I, I could not more uh, wholeheartedly, uh, full-throatedly uh, endorse what each one of you said, uh, particularly in your final remarks. Um, a big part of what we are hoping to do with this series is inform, uh, is to, uh, is to create a space wherein folks from around the state can hear directly from the experts, all of you, uh, individuals who are refugees and immigrants and individuals who work with refugees and immigrants. We are, as you all pointed out, uh, trying to make Iowa a better place for all of us, uh, not just for uh, particular individuals, but um, we are better when we're all better together. Um, so why don't we leave it there? Um, we now conclude our program. I want to give a big thank you to Elizabeth Bernal, to Enos uh, Pachuvich Dasarovich, to Rex Mwamba, and to Zalmay Niazi for their wonderful presentations, for your, your comments, for your information, and for sharing your expertise with us today. Elizabeth, Enos, Rex, Zalmay. I am honored to virtually present each of you with ICFRC's highly coveted mug for coffee, tea, or the beverage of your choice. We will coordinate uh, delivery details uh, with you very soon. ICFRC's next program is on uh, Wednesday, uh, February 9th. Uh, oh, sorry, I'm jumping ahead, aren't I? <laughs> That's the next in our Refugees and Immigrants series, but please join us for, uh, for ICFRC's uh, next session. We, we meet most weeks, so next week, Wednesday, 12 noon, via Zoom, the program will focus on how students gain international experience when study abroad is unavailable, and it will feature Professor Aaron Johnson and several university students. I got a bit ahead of myself here. The next program in our Refugee and Immigrant series is on Wednesday, February 9th, examining, as I noted previously, how COVID-19 has impacted refugees and immigrants. And we'll talk more broadly about health, wellness, including mental health. So thank you for joining us today and we are adjourned.